Well, that song may have been new to some of our guests here this morning, but it is a song that is built on Psalm 46, the psalm that Keith just read for us. And Psalm 46 is a very special psalm to the people of God. And if you're not familiar with it, I hope that you would become familiar with those words. It is a song of great comfort. It's a psalm that really calls on the people of God to trust, especially in those times whenever the ground is moving underneath us and we can't find our footing. It's an expression of great trust that God is going to set things right. Ultimately, God is going to set things right. God has already set things right through Jesus Christ our Lord. I think about, and last week I mentioned it, the suffering church in China. I read this week that there have been many more arrests for brothers and sisters over there. Uh, there was an article this week where one of the, the people who were arrested, they said, our worship service now is in police cars and buses and in prisons. That's our worship. That's the setting for our worship. And yet they realize that they're not alone. And they're certainly not alone with the people who are lifting them up in prayer over here. And I would encourage us to continue to pray for the suffering church. Because I think Psalms like Psalm 46 really speak a word of grace to those who are suffering. And this really has a lot to do, Psalm 46, with the sermon passage this morning, or the sermon passages this morning, and the theme of the sermon. Because Psalm 46, strangely enough, has much to do with the mission of the church. So we're entering into a new year, and we're looking ahead. We're making those resolutions. We're making those promises. And I hope that we would make some spiritual resolutions things that we would like to improve upon spiritually, maybe some disciplines that we would like to add. Some of us are thinking about setting some personal goals, maybe some financial goals, maybe some physical goals with our New Year's resolutions. But as we look forward, I want us to pause here at the end of the year and look back once again at the theme of mission, a very important theme that has been for this church in 2018. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at this theme through the lens and in terms of the seekers. We pray that God will continue to connect us to seekers of truth. Last week, we talked about the communal witness, the community witness, the suffering witness. Even in the face of hostility and adversity, we proclaim a word of grace. Whenever we uh, receive hate and anger and bitterness, we return it with love and forgiveness. That is the witness of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world. This morning, I would like us to think of another facet of mission. And of course, there's so many different slices of, of our mission here on this earth. And that is the mission to the broken. And to do this, I would like to use a conversation partner the man in black, the late Johnny Cash. Now, the place where I grew up and the time I grew up, there were only two kinds of music, country and western. <laughs> Some of you caught that reference. And that really put me at odds with a lot of my friends because I didn't listen to country music. And I know some of you are shocked to hear that. But I've always been intrigued with the man in black. Uh, earlier this year, I attended a conference called Contribute. And it was a conference that was 
was dedicated to teachers and ministers and really talking about Generation Z. And Generation Z is really this group right here, the, the youngest generation that's coming up. And in this conference, there was a big challenge to, to really move Generation Z from being consumers to being contributors. And many of them already are doing this. But I heard that not as just a word for Generation Z. I heard it as a word for me. I heard it as a word for all generations. I think, I think all of us are touched and challenged by, by leaving that mindset of being a consumer and becoming a contributor. I think every facet of our lives is connected to, to being catered to, uh, having a receiving mindset. We are the customers and everything. Everything is customized. And so much of that runs counter to the gospel. It runs counter to, to picking up our cross and following in the footsteps of our Lord. And so we have to fight that impulse. We have to fight that consumerist mindset. That's another sermon for another day. That was free. But for uh, right now, during that conference, we had a, an interlude, a musical interlude, where we had this musical group perform these songs, and they would take a specific artist, and they would work through a set from this artist, and then a man would come up and speak about how this particular artist really spoke to the gospel. And one of the featured artists was Johnny Cash, the man in black. Now, there are all kinds of images and stories that come to our minds when we think of Johnny Cash. For those of you who know his, his history, it's really no secret that Johnny Cash was a man of great brokenness, and his addictions to drugs and to alcohol are well documented. He lived a life of estrangement from many of his friends and family members because of his slavery to these addictions, and really it was a lifelong battle. But he was not alone. He was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he had the help of our Lord. But in that, a short period of sobriety in the early 70s, Johnny Cash wrote a song called Man in Black. And it's a protest song, a protest song of the Vietnam War. But it was much more than that. It was in this song where he really spoke and explained why he wore black in contrast to the, the, the flamboyant costumes of the country singers during that time he would wear black and many of us in this room could sing it I'm not going to do that I'm going to read just the first part of this the song opens up well you wonder why I always dress in black why you never see bright colors on my back? And why does my appearance seem to have a somber tone? Well, there's a reason for the things that I have on. I wear black for the poor and the beaten down. Living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime, but is there because he's a victim of the times. And all of a sudden, the riddle becomes clear. Johnny Cash, a broken man, wears black in solidarity with broken people. The poor. The beaten down. The voiceless. The prisoners. The people who have lost hope. 
And I think Johnny Cash does this as a reminder of how hard life can be. And certainly he would understand this. And as fortune and fame came his way, the very clothing that he wore drew his gaze toward the downtrodden. And this morning, as we look ahead to 2019, as we are on the brink of yet another new year, perhaps this morning the man in black draws our gaze also to an important facet of the mission of the church. A mission that runs deep into the heart of scriptures. It goes all the way back into the Old Testament, and that is the mission of shepherding. Now that's been a theme in this worship assembly. We heard the passage that Roland read earlier, The Lord is my shepherd. That is an ancient metaphor for saying, The Lord is my king. But as we think about the kingship of God, we have all of this pastoral imagery in that psalm. God guiding His people, protecting His people, shepherding His people. God has a shepherding heart. But when we read the laws... And the prophets, we see that God expects from His people to carry that same heart. To carry the heart of a shepherd. Which is why God becomes so angry at the people of Israel. And He becomes so angry especially at the leaders of Israel. The shepherds of the people. The kings. The prophets. The priests. The people who should be guiding the the people of Israel into a deeper relationship with God. The leaders who should be nurturing and and cultivating this this shalom, this peace between the people and love between the people. Well, the shepherds of Israel are failing to do this. And so this morning, I want to turn to one of the prophets there in exile because the leaders of Israel and their actions really led the people into a time of exile. So I'm going to be in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, if you want to turn there. Ezekiel is one of the big books in the Old Testament. And if you're flipping back and you find Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel is right after it. Ezekiel chapter 34. As you're turning there, what I want to do this week, uh, this morning, is I want to go work through three different passages that really form a chain. And this chain speaks to our mission. And so there will be one Old Testament passage and then we'll be in the New Testament here in a moment. But we're going to start in Ezekiel 34. And we're going to start with a hard word. It's an indictment of the leaders of Israel, the shepherds of the people. And this is what God says through the prophet Ezekiel there in the time of exile. Ezekiel 34 verse 1. Hear the word of God. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. 
So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over the mountains and over every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. Well, notice the language of this indictment and notice what God is accusing these shepherds of of doing, these leaders. They're not taking care of the weak. They're not binding up the injured. They're not going after the strays. They're letting them go and all the time they're feeding themselves. And this is not something that is new to the leaders of Israel. This has been going on really since the beginning. There are are these bright moments in Israel's history when the leaders are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing, but those are are small periods of time. There's this inertia that continues to draw those leaders back into this pattern, this cycle of not caring for the weak. And eventually God says, I've had enough. I'm sending the people into exile, and because of your actions, you are being scattered all over the earth. But along with these hard words, there's also a word of hope. And Ezekiel chapter 34 really starts this new section in Ezekiel as he's talking to a broken people. They're in exile. God is going to do do something. He's going to take matters into his own hands. In fact, God is going to gather up the scattered is really what the last half of Ezekiel is all about. Let's continue in Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning in verse 11. We'll skip a few verses here. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I... I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. Skip down to verse 15. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Skip on down to verse 23. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. May God bless the reading of His precious word. Well, this really adds a few layers. Whenever we hear the the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, we hear that psalm read, Psalm 23, every ten weeks or so. This should add some layers of, of metaphor of what that means. What it means for God to be our shepherd. And really what it is, is God fulfilling a promise. A promise that He makes to His people. And where Israel's shepherds failed, God will succeed. And we see this most clearly in the coming of the Messiah, which leads to the second link in this chain of Scriptures. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. If you want to flip over to Matthew, chapter 9. In the Gospel of Matthew, there are a few summary statements that describe what Jesus does in a certain region. In Matthew chapter 9, we come across one of, these, one of these passages, beginning in verse 35. The words of Ezekiel 34 are revisited here, the same language. 
And as I read this, I would invite us to listen in on the contrast between the shepherds of Israel and the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear the word of God from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and following. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Ezekiel 34, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Well, what do we hear there in that passage? What do we hear in Matthew chapter 9? Well, God has indeed come. God has, in, has returned, and He is shepherding His people, and He's doing it through the Good Shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we think about, just for a moment, all the stories of Jesus, and all of His interactions with the people, and the miracles, and the healings. As we think about those in our mind, we see that Jesus, in contrast with Israel's leaders, Jesus strengthens the weak. He, he heals the sick. He binds up the wounded. He exercises the demons. He, he touches the untouchable. He loves the unlovable. He is gathering the scattered sheep together in Him. But this is really where our mission today comes alive because our mission as the church is connected to the mission of Jesus. And this leads us to the final passage, the final link in the chain, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. We have another summary passage, but this time it's a summary of what the church is doing, what the apostles are doing. Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. So we've gone from the shepherds of Israel to the good shepherd and now to the church. Acts 5, verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Well, what do you hear in this passage? Well, I hear what might be one of, I think is the main theme of the book of Acts, and that is that the church, the people of God, is really continuing the ministry of Jesus. That His Spirit indwelling us continues that ministry of the, of, the, of the Good Shepherd. The Spirit animating us, empowering us to be the people that we're called to be. And so by God's grace, we continue the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of shepherding. And it begins, it begins with a recognition of our own brokenness, what we did a while ago with our confession and realizing that we are all dependent upon God's grace 
But it's out of that confession, it's out of that brokenness where that leads us into mission, the mission of being God's hands and feet, the hands and feet of Jesus. We have a ministry here called the hands and feet of Jesus. That really is the mission of the church. Strengthening the weak, binding up the wounds of the injured, seeking after the lost, bringing back the strays. We right now... The church is part of this gathering of the lost that God started in Jesus Christ. The church continues the ministry of Jesus. That's been a hallmark of the church ever since its inception. There's a story a few centuries after the book of Acts was written of an emperor named Julian. And the Christians called Julian the apostate because the Roman Empire had become Christian, and Julian was trying to turn the, the Roman Empire back into a pagan empire. And so he, he wrote this letter. There's this letter that was discovered to one of the high priests, and he's telling the high priest, hey, you need to be like these Christians. They're capturing the hearts of the people. They're not only taking care of their own poor, they're taking care of all the poor. They're feeding the hungry, people that we should be feeding. They're capturing their hearts. And we've seen that through the centuries of God's Spirit, the Spirit of Christ compelling the people of God to be on the front lines of the ministry of reconciliation and the ministry of restoring people, the ministry of of healing the sick. Yeah, the church has warts. The church is, we are human. And yet God's Spirit within us moves us to do something extraordinary. Seeking after the lost. Think about all of the missions that have been sent out in the world. Think about what compels a, a group of young couples to leave their homes in San Antonio and go to San Luis, Brazil to share the good news, to become part of this gathering of the lost into one. And so this morning, this last Sunday of 2018, as we look ahead to the future, we have the question before us What is our mission? What is our mission in light of the mission of Jesus? How do we identify that mission? Now last week we talked about more of a corporate witness, and we do have a a community witness to Austin here at Brentwood Oaks, but this morning I want us to bring that down to a very personal level. What is the mission that God has put right in front of me in 2019? And how in the world do I identify that mission? Well, if we're having a hard time answering that question, maybe we need to listen to more Johnny Cash. Maybe we need to listen to the man in black. The man who wore black attire to remind him of the need to stay connected to the suffering. The church could take a page from Johnny Cash. I don't think we paint the church black. But we should have some reminders Some connection to suffering because a church that is disconnected from suffering is a church that's lost her mission. If we don't have that suffering right in front of us, and it is right in front of us, if we have the ears to hear, can we hear their voices? Can we hear the voices that we run across on a daily basis? People crying out, the weak, the frail, those who are addicted, those who are broken, those who are looking for some glimmer of hope, they're right 
They're right there. Well, the truth is, we do have many here in this room who have heard that call and they have responded and they are being the hands and feet of Jesus and I, just given what I do, I, I have a privilege of, of seeing a lot of what goes on behind the curtain and it blows me away. It really does. There are people in this church that are pouring themselves out for the kingdom. People in this church who who rally around the broken, who rally around the sick, the card writing, the meals prepared, the hospitality, the lawns that are mowed. We have people here who have dedicated their lives and their time to helping restore those who are trapped in addiction, those who are in slavery to their addictions. We have people in this room who are are defending the defenseless, who are being a voice for the voiceless, who are taking care of the little ones, even the most precious, most vulnerable, the little ones inside of the womb, whose hearts are being stopped right now. But not only that, they're, they're defending and walking alongside the mothers and the fathers who are in crisis, who are leading them to make this, this terrible decision. Walking alongside them, helping them, mending the wounds. We have people who are taking care of the widows, the orphans, the poor. Some people's professions are completely dedicated to taking care of the poor. We have people here who are mentoring, who are pouring themselves out into the lives of children, who are going to low-income housing and tutoring. We have people who are walking alongside friends and neighbors who are in crisis And there are so many things going on. They're too numerous to count, and so many of it will never be publicized, which is really the way it should be. Jesus said, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. It's happening because there are people here who hear the voices of the suffering. And the Spirit of Christ compels us to continue the ministry that He started so long ago. Well, maybe this morning... We're struggling with this, and we're having a hard time getting engaged in the mission. And we want to help, and we want to become part of what God is doing, but for whatever reason, we're just, we're struggling. We're struggling with how to do this. And maybe it's our profession. Maybe we think that our profession, well, it doesn't really lend itself to kingdom work. Well, I want to challenge you on that one. And I'm going to punt here to a resource and it's a resource that Kurt Holman led us a few men in earlier this year. And it's through Right Now Media. And we have a Right Now Media account. The church has a Right Now Media account. And if you don't, come and see me or go see Jackie and we can set you up with one. But there's a series called Redeeming Work. And it's, it's conversations, it's, it's testimonies. The same guy that wrote TechWise Family, Andy Crouch, is the one who leads these conversations. But there are many, many testimonies of, of people who are in these professions and in their jobs. And they, they have had this enlarging of their vision, enlarging of their vision of, of how their jobs fit into kingdom work. And so many of these testimonies go back to to them recognizing some type of brokenness right before them, some type of suffering. That's how they they find 
a way to use the skills that God has blessed them with in order to help further the kingdom and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it begins with suffering. It begins with the brokenness that can only be really a few feet away. I'll give you one example here as I close. There's a, a testimony from a woman who moved to Detroit back in 2006. And of course, that's the time when Detroit was just collapsing in on itself. The neighborhoods were falling apart. The, the car industry was falling apart. And this neighborhood that this woman moved into was 60% vacated. 60% of the houses were, were vacated. And it was dangerous, and especially dangerous for children. Not just because of the people who were walking around in the streets, but just because dilapidated houses, just debris was everywhere, and it was dangerous. And this woman saw that, and she had a love of gardening. She said, I'm going to start a community garden, and I'm going to have the children run the garden. They're going to work the garden. I'm going to give them some advice. I'm going to show them how to do this, but they're going to do this. And so she invited the children walking the streets to manage and grow these plants. And they took those plants to the farmer's market and made a profit. And she was teaching them how to do this. And what started off with one community garden quickly spread to 50 different gardens and parks within that big neighborhood, that broken, beat-up devastated neighborhood, ugly. But God, through her, in the name of Christ, was infusing beauty in that neighborhood in very powerful ways with something that she loved to do. And it was right there in front of her. Well, I hope you will check it out. But God's given us a mission. What is that mission? Maybe it's a very small project. Maybe it's a neighbor that you've been meeting to, to get to know, someone you know that's in crisis. Maybe there's some windows of opportunity. We pray for that this year in 2019 because God is at work. God is moving so many pieces around in the background for His mission to be accomplished, the reconciliation of all things to Himself through Jesus Christ, and through the church, through us, continuing what he started. So what person, what ministry has God put on your heart this morning? It might be only a few feet away. Let us answer that call with courage and with passion, and let us sing the song that is for the world the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to respond this morning to the invitation, the invitation is yours. If you would like to come forward, if you have something that you would like the church to pray for, the church will surround you. We all come to those moments in life when we realize we can't do this by ourselves, and that's what the church is for. We walk together. We link arms if you'd like to be baptized and start this journey of faith and put on Christ as Lord of your life, we can do that for you this morning. If you would like to place membership with this church body, the invitation is at this time as we stand.
and as we sing.